Hey everybody! What's um, up, guys? We uh, we want to put this little thing at the start of the episode before our coverage of Ray and Faye Copeland begin uh, because something kind of neat happened to us yeah. this week. Um, you know, we got a a woman who contacted us through our Facebook page. She shared our episode over Matrice Richardson, and it turns out that her name is uh, Doctor Rhonda Hampton. And she was actually the woman that uh, Matrice interned for while she was getting her psychology degree. Yeah. And it appears that she, you know, does a lot of things as an advocate on her case. Yeah. And um, to this day, she's still pushing to find, I guess, more like more information and stuff like that. Yeah. And just kind of keeping her, you know, getting trying to have something good come out of yeah. something bad kind of deal. And um, you know, we had a few nice exchanges with her via Facebook and email. Yeah. And. Uh, I thought, you know, we'll extend to ask her because I noticed on her page that there is actually a scholarship dedicated to Matrice. It's like a Matrice Richardson scholarship. And I asked her if she would send us the information about it that we would read it on air for this next episode. Yeah. So um, I'll just get to it real quick. Uh, she sent it to us to be, uh, to be considered um, for the scholarship. You have to be a student attending a college in California. Which means that you can be a student from anywhere, but yeah, the you college you're going to has to be in California. Yeah, um, and you need to be a junior or senior psychology major, and the requirements are as follows: a minimum GPA of two point five. You need two letters of recommendation, and an essay of a thousand words or less, which discusses the impact that Matrice's life has had on the applicant. Which uh, I take that to mean like her case and stuff from her life too, yeah. but just her story. Um, and the deadline is July 1st. Now, for additional details and to receive an application, uh, she asked for you to contact her via email at drrondahampton at yahoo.com. And uh, you can also, she has a Facebook page called Justice for Matrice Richardson. So, you know, I went on and followed it. And she joined our Facebook group. And, uh, you know, she seemed like a really nice lady. And uh, she... Uh, I thought it was cool that she reached out to us, so yeah. I thought we would put this on there yeah. for anyone in California. Yeah, and it was cool to exchange <laughs> pleasantries or whatever you want to call it with uh, with somebody who you know is still still fighting to this day. I mean, to you know spread the word and keep the case going. I mean, keep her keep Matrice's name out there. I mean, it, it was just really cool that she reached out to us, and you know anything that we can do, you know, putting the scholarship out there to help you guys, you know, the the ones that are going to pursue this as a career. I mean, it'd be, it's nice to help you guys out, and well, I mean, we're not really doing anything but putting it out there. But <laughs> yeah. Um, anyways. But uh, yeah, I mean, we just thought we'd put that out here, and I guess uh, we hope you enjoy our episode ten about Ray and Faye Copeland. How's it going, everybody? What's up, Drew? Uh, the ceiling, Crabtree. The yeah, ceiling. Right. Ceiling in the sky. My smart assness has uh, no bounds. Yep. You, you told me the other day that love knows no bounds, but we found out because of my Tinder adventures that the the bounds on love is about an hour and a half away. <laughs> <laughs> we won't dive into that too much. <laughs> eh, why not? <laughs> All right. Uh, today we're talking about Ray and Faye Copeland. They're the oldest couple ever sentenced to death in the United States. Um. Ray Copeland was born in Oklahoma on December 30th, 1914. That's where we are. Yep, Oklahoma. 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 
So if y'all hear my cat in the background. Yeah, I guess Ogies have cats. Yeah, yeah, we I have a cat. I bet said we have a cat like you and me both own the cat. <laughs> that ain't my cat. <laughs> yeah. But um Ray, he kinda he had the little bit of a rough childhood growing up. His uh, family moved around a lot. Uh, they struggled through the Great Depression. Um uh, he kinda picked up as like a petty criminal. Yeah, I think the depression is really what molded him to be what he wound up doing. Yeah. Um they say that he stole cattle and uh forged checks as a young man, which is kind of Basically, if you want to call it like an M.O. throughout his whole life was basically the same thing as long as like along the lines of stealing cattle and the forging, you know, the bad checks and what have you. Yeah, he he definitely worked on perfecting a certain, you know, like you said, M.O. of what he was doing. Yeah, it never, it didn't stray off to, you know, doing this or doing this. It was just strictly, you know, stealing cattle or buying cattle and, you know, just... Yeah. Illegally, basically, is how it plays out. Um, he was eventually caught and sentenced to a year in jail. So I'm guessing this is in 1939. Um, he was released in 1940 and met his um, soon-to-be wife, Faye Wilson. Uh, they were married that same year, 1940, and uh, they had, I think, it, they had a bunch of kids right away. Yeah, I had I'd read one thing that said five kids, and I yes. read another that said six. So they. I, I, I read five, too. Yeah, so we'll, we'll, we'll five. I didn't... There, you, <laughs> if there is a sixth kid out there, we apologize for not getting included. <laughs> um, it, when you look into this story, you know, whether you go through the report that the lady... There's a lady that wrote, you know, kind of like the website report or whatever. You know, you, if you look in between those and the Wikipedia sites, it's basically like word for word. I mean, there's a little bit more details between the two, but they're basically the same thing. Yeah. As far as information goes, so um, you know we'll we'll go ahead and go with five kids. Um, money became a problem yet again, as far you know having to feed five five kids and a wife and you know put food on the table and what have you. Um, he uh, continued back into stealing the lot livestock, you know cows and uh, forging checks. Uh, with doing this, with doing this, he. Uh, you know, had a bad reputation around there where they lived at. Um, they had to move around a lot just because of, oh, well, you know, hey, stay away from that Ray Copeland guy. I mean, you know, that the bad name will stick around with you for a while, especially when you keep continuing to do the bad <laughs> thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I read something. Basically, the way it spelled out was like, because, I mean, in today's day and age with the Internet and social media and stuff, I mean, these damn kids like <laughs> us, um, with our podcast, yeah, but uh, it's really hard to disappear. Whereas, like back then, it was <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, when I say disappear, like people go missing. But back then, like it was really easy for you to be like, um, We're that gonna cop's not gonna follow me two states over. So yeah, let's just pack up and move. Yeah. And it sounds like he would do that until it got too hot, and yeah. then they would and just they would move, move to another town, pick right back up to where they to where they were. Um, Ray was caught numerous times. He served several jail sentences over a period of, I guess you'd call it 30 years, probably. Um, he uh, he was eventually, after after one time of being released, he came up with a new plan to kind of stay a little bit further under the radar. And uh, his plan was basically, I'm going to hire, I'm going to pick up these hobos and these, <laughs> you know, drifters, and I'm going to have them open up bank accounts for strictly buying cattle. And they would go and they would buy the cattle, and he would 
just flip him right real quick. And then the hobos or the people he had employed would just disappear. Yeah. And, and that's where you kind of tie into. Yeah. Mm, well, I, I find I want to point this out because we mentioned that they moved from town to town. Yeah. But here's. This is where, in 1967, they settled in Mooresville, Missouri. Okay. So, from 67 onward, they didn't move around anymore, and that's when he started this plan okay. with the drifters. Yeah. I didn't know the specific dates. I just knew that yeah. they didn't really get you know bad off into like the, the killing or anything like that until the 80s. Yeah. Well, sorry about my dog barking. I'm hoping, hoping that they'll settle down. Um, uh, that would be a no. <laughs> <laughs> um... Uh, Dustin, talk to the people while I'm so sure. <laughs> All right. Um, you know, a- after, like I said, after one of his releases, he came up with a plan to, you know, hire the drifters and have them kind of do the dirty work while he gained the majority of the profit. Um, I'm back, everyone. <laughs> the men were asked to open up bank accounts to buy livestock. And just before the checks bounced, Ray would sell the cattle, and the men disappeared. Um now, you know, you go on doing this, eventually you're going to get caught. I mean, regardless of what kind of age you're in, yeah. you know, it's it's easy it's easier to get caught than just to pull it off. So, well, because if you look at this this scheme he's running, he has these guys who are basically have made a career of being drifter drunks. Yeah. And so they he goes and gets them a bank account. Now, well the reason why he did that is because of, because of his bad reputation, he couldn't he couldn't go to the cattle sales he, yeah, anymore. Yeah, he couldn't buy and sell the cows. Yeah. For I had read something where basically everyone, like someone named uh, me, I have a quote. I don't remember exactly what they said, if I can find it. But it was like, uh, oh, everyone around town viewed him as a menacing oddball <laughs> is the quote I had. But, um, you know, what, what's one thing we know about drifters? They don't like bank accounts. They love cheap whiskey. Yeah. Um. You can probably get them to do anything for five bucks. Yeah. Anything. <laughs> so so it, it's not hard for this man who's like, hey, you know what? Uh, just come come stay over here. And so what he was doing was he was known he, – he called it a habit. He had a habit of hanging around places where transients could get a hot meal and a bed. And he would talk to them about – how they could make real big money with him, and he would just like make job offers to him, be like, "Hey, you want to come stay at my place and help me take care of some stuff?" And that's when he would get him a bank account, and then they would go to these sales, and he would have them write a check for their bank account. He'd get the cattle, and he would turn around and sell them. Those guys would be gone. And I read where like sometimes the cops would come talk to him. Uh, Maddie. <laughs> and so sometimes the cops would come talk to him. And they would be like, uh, you know, have you seen him in a while? And he'd be like, no, he he stole money from me. You know, he stole cows from me. And so he would kind of do that, but there was always something fishy about it to everyone. Yeah, and, You know, and the scam kind of went on for a while, but he was eventually he was eventually caught and sentenced to another jail sentence. And this is kind of where his plan takes another step up and he – you know, he resumes his fraud, but he wants to make sure that the people that he hires, they, they're not connected to him as before, and there's no way that they're ever going to be able to be caught up again and being like, oh, hey, well, tell us information with this guy, uh, being Ray Copeland. And, you know, we fast forward to uh, August of 1989. A former employee of the Copelands, his name was uh, Jack McCormick, he calls the Crime Stopper hotline and tells him about the Copelands. 
Uh, he reports seeing human remains on the farm, and uh, you know while he worked there, he, you know, he reports seeing human remains, and that Ray had tried to kill him. Yeah. So, well, did you read how that all really played out? No, I, I it's it's honestly pretty interesting, and it makes makes for more of a uh, like it's honestly like some movie shit because he calls the Crime Stoppers at 7:30 p.m. August 20th, 1989. He calls them. And he doesn't give him his name, and he just says, you should go check out Ray Copeland, um, because he's been murdering farmhands, and he talked about seeing a skull and human bones buried on the land, and then, click, hangs up the phone. And they're like, who's that? You know, we don't know who that was. And he's later picked up, like, an organ for, like, (laughs) as a drifter does, like, public drunkenness. And so they pick him up, and he's like, more than ready to talk about, like, all these terrible things that he has, like, seen. And that's when he's like, I worked for him. He held a gun to my head. <laughs> and it's like, which was true. Yeah. But, I mean, you got two kinds of drifters, Crabtree. You, you got, Explain to me. You, you got, like, you got the Henry Lee Lucas kind of drifter. Which, if you want to hear about those drifters, go check out last podcast on the left. <laughs> and then you got drifters like my great uncle Richard. Who used to like hitchhike and drift around California because they grew up around the Depression. Mm-hmm. And, uh, like one time he came down here to see my grandma. He would always show up in these like shit cars. And, like, he started this one with like a spoon. He'd just like stick a spoon in the ignition and start it up. <laughs> and so they would, uh, on his, and it kept dying on him. So, like, he was driving back and he got like pissed off at it and he was at a cliff. And so he just like pushed the car off the cliff. <laughs> And so the cops found it, and they thought he was dead, like, because they were just assumed he died. Yeah. And so for, like, two weeks, the family thought he was dead. It took him two weeks to drift back to California. <laughs> and they were like, we thought you were dead. And he was just like, well, hell, I just got mad at the car. And and he was also known. Easier time back then, I guess. <laughs> yeah. And there was one other story of him going to, like, he said he got picked up by, it was in California, so I guess it must have been near the border. And he got picked up by, like, a. A Mexican family and they only spoke Spanish <laughs> and so they picked him up and he said they went into a like a convenience store and they had like the rolling thing of sunglasses yeah and so and he said he was wearing a like a jacket and so when no one was looking he put the like little rolling thing of sunglasses in his jacket and then when they got in the car he handed glasses to all the people the family in the car so it was just like him and this uh, Maddie. Maddie, stop. We can cut this out, right? <laughs> no, we can't. <laughs> it's hard to cut this part out. But uh, anyways, he sounded like a fun drifter. As a as. <laughs> Shut up! <laughs> Maddie, stop. Come here. We're leaving this in for posterity. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to hate it when you hear all these dogs barking, but by episode 10, maybe you're used to it. <laughs> But um, but anyways, yeah. So that's the two different kinds of drifter structure. So the fun drifter and the killer drifter. That's <laughs> yeah, what yeah. You got you got those. But so they, you know, with that tip, they couldn't do too much. I mean, I'd read where they had suspected him of not really a murder, but they were just like, "You're just not a good dude," and they thought it was fishy how his hands kept disappearing right after writing yeah. bad checks. Mm-hmm. But it was it was funny because it's honestly what led to his downfall because. I think he got picked up for drunkenness, like that that drifter guy. What was his name? We had Jack a, McCormick. Jack McCormick. He was picked up for being drunk, but they kept him because of the bad checks. 
And so it was like, instead of just being like, I'll put him in the drunk tank and let him go, like, they were like, no, you have a warrant, so we're going to send you back to Missouri. And then he was like, well, let me tell you about Missouri, (laughs) in drifter fashion, and now we're back full circle. So, Yeah, I I read that the cops initially, they were skeptical of his reports, I guess, through more investigation. They come up with a search warrant. Yep. And let me see if I can find a date here. Um, I might also have it wrote down in it. Uh, it was October of 89. I'm not sure what the actual date was, but they, uh, I think that's what I have. They proceeded to investigate and they, you know, they showed up with a search warrant. They searched the house. They, they had, I think they had bloodhounds. I mean, they had all kinds of, yeah. a whole bunch of officers that went out there. Um, they raided the farm and initially they didn't really, they didn't find anything. Um, continued to search more and they found three bodies of young men. Near, like, I guess their barn or... Well, no, that's also another weird part that I read in the article. Um, because when they picked them up, they, of course, t- took them in to, like, to jail. And Ray was noted as saying, you're not going to find anything on my property. And so, after a few days, they expanded the search. And 12 miles up the road, there's another farm with... that was a, <laughs> This is what something I find really shady... It was owned by a guy he would do odd jobs for, and they found, like, three of the bodies buried in that guy's barn in shallow graves. Really? So I'm like, how did you not see the bodies in your barn? Yeah. <laughs> because, and they they had, like, an interview with them. I mean, it wasn't, like, an in-depth thing, but he was just like, I never would have thought that he'd done that. He was always a hard worker when he, was, when he worked for him. And, I mean, living around here, I also realized people have property that, like, they use it for basically like whole barns for storage and they might not go in it ever. Yeah. And also it could have been, I mean, if, if this Ray guy is, is that in his like seventies, yeah, he's probably working for an even older guy if he's doing odd jobs for him. Yeah. So maybe it's a guy who really can't get around. Okay, yeah, well, so that would make more sense. that's what kind of got into my head, but they found all the bodies cause there was five bodies in total. Yeah. And they found four of them cause they found those three in that barn and then a fourth one in around the same property, and then a fifth was put in a well on another farm. Okay. So he, see the way that the report that I, I read, they just they didn't see like didn't go that's what, in depth yeah, on they didn't it. go as in depth on it. And everywhere I looked around was kind of giving me the same stuff at the first. So I was like, man. Uh, yeah. But uh, the kind of I guess you 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 call this like the mo or the way that the way that they were killed was all you know shot in the back of the head, twenty two rifle. And that was like a Marlin twenty two rifle. Which, yeah. They found later in they the Coconut. The um, it became very clear, you know, hey, you know, this guy, this guy Ray Copeland, he just, he's murdered. Yeah. You know, so basically the way it plays out is he's hiring these folks. They're, you know, writing the checks, writing bad checks, you know, his bad checks. Yeah, to cat, you know, wherever they're in the sale barn mm-hmm. to buy these cattle. And the reason that it's, it's kind of coming back to him, but not really, is because. It's on the bank account under those guys' names. Yeah. That's why he has them make their bank account. And then, I mean, it comes back to him because they're like, well, he worked for you. Yeah. But it's not really. Yeah, I mean, like, if you, without the bodies being found, you can't pinpoint that it is him. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, had it not been for the Jack McCormick guy, I mean, yeah. you know, with, the, with them finding the bodies and what have you, he probably wouldn't have ever got caught. <laughs> and it's hard to call this Jack McCormick a super drifter <laughs> or a superhero of yeah. any kind in this because I mean yeah, he left an anonymous tip after almost getting killed. 
what? so I feel like it was more out of spite there, and then he did it to save his own ass. Kind of like what makes me think is like, what did you like? What did you see? What like? How many people did you see get killed by the time you were there? Because I mean, like, yeah, you know, I halfway want to think that you know he would kill one and pick up another, but well, and here's another interesting because I wrote down that he Ray was known since the 1970s to go pick up hitchhikers to periodically work on mm-hmm. the farm. And, I mean, they would disappear, but as we said, Drifter, we don't yeah. know where they, if they wound up. Because they're only credited to having 12 killings under their belt. Oh, I mean, they, he, he is. Because I only have five. Well, no, they have, they're, they're, they were charged with five, but they're suspected, suspected of 12. Suspected of 12? Yeah, in total, yeah. Okay. So, I mean, Cause, you can kind of, because the list had 12 people on it. I mean. There was only five X's on it. Okay. Oh, okay, got you. Yeah. yeah, we didn't bring that list up, and I didn't, oh, which, well, yeah. Oh, yeah, uh, well. That's what I'm about to dive into. Yeah, bring, go ahead and tell, bring up this stuff because this is how because you wonder about Faye because yeah. we hadn't talked that much about her. Yeah. So right. you, and she like for me it was like okay you don't really come in to play until kind of like the end. Yeah. But they they kind of initially questioned her actions in this whole thing. I mean, yeah, you would think that she was gonna know something anyway because she's married to the guy. But um, they discovered a quilt that she had made out of. The dead man's the dead men's clothes. Mm. So that that they they actually take it hard on that quilt at first. Yeah. And then later investigation, they find the list. And the list has former employees, five of them being of whom they found dead bodies. They found. Uh huh. So and and they had the, the ones that were they had found. They had an X by their name. And this was all in her handwriting. Ray was illiterate. He didn't. He couldn't. Yeah. Just writing some a basic name. He couldn't do it. Yeah. So you know. Who else is going to do it? You know, I mean, they, it was in her handwriting, so I mean, they, they got her on that one. Yeah. So they, they know that she had a part in it. But now her defense attorney tries to say that, well, she suffered from the battered wife syndrome or the battered woman syndrome, uh-huh. you know, however you want to play it out, and that she was scared. I guess it's kind of how they want to do it. Um, and I mean, like, nine out of ten, I would honestly say that's probably what happened, but I kind of, I don't know on well, this one. Everything that I read about her was she was an outstanding wife, and she always stuck to her husband's side throughout everything. Yeah. Now, my wife would stick to me through everything, but if I'm out here murdering people, she, I, know, <laughs> I know, I know without a doubt that she would. She if if I asked her, all right, I need you to write a list of everybody that's worked for us, and the ones that I kill, I need you to put an X by. She wouldn't be okay with that, right? Yeah. So I don't really, I don't know. I you know, well, because I could see, because like their thing is saying that she's just also a victim of like she was scared because. You have this violent man who you're married to. Who's out killing people. Yeah. And, I mean, and especially, you know, look at when they grew up. I mean, not to say that divorce didn't happen, but it wasn't as... It wasn't as Especially, as, you know, being where they lived and stuff, like, you're probably going to stick around. But at yeah. the same time, I kind of feel like murder... Is gonna if you can find a way to get out of it, you're right, gonna find a good. And I feel also feel like she would probably. And like I said, the lawyers brought it up, but I haven't really heard anything that made it sound like she was. She had never really said anything to anyone else, and no one really had any suspicion. Like what? What got me on it was she never. She never once said he made me do this. Yeah. It was always you know oh well y'all can go ahead and say you know I said from this or whatever. I mean I it, I, I truly believe that she tried to get out of it. Yeah. But I don't ever think that she was like, no, 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 no. He made me do this or he was going to kill me. That that was never brought up in court. 
Yeah, I I feel like it was probably kind of that thing of well, it wasn't her idea, but she already probably knew, and maybe it was like a slow burn. I mean, maybe she knew he was doing this petty theft stuff on his own because I mean he went to prison, and you yeah. know, so maybe it's like she become acclimated. And it was just like, well, this is the next logical step, step in up. this scheme, yeah. and at this point, you've just already bought the farm. Yeah. <laughs> literally and, and metaphorically you've also got to think about like okay well if he's not doing this like how do we live yeah. so i mean i i don't know there's a lot of things people do to provide for their family so i mean now i'm not saying like murder would be one of them but in this instant in this instance it's like well you know if if we don't do it like this how else are we going to survive yeah. so i mean that might be how she got on board with it but i truly think that she knew about it the whole time and she really and i think she was on board with it i will point out and I don't know, I I don't think there's any proof of it, and I imagine that Ray is the one who did it, but um, when they when they uh, came to him with these bodies and this other evidence, they said, like, what do you know about these? And he says, <laughs> and I don't know why he even claimed to know about one of them, but he was like, well, I don't know about those four guys, but I know I saw Jack McCormick shoot that one guy in the head and throw him down that well. And so he tried to say that the drifter that called yeah. him in killed that guy that, and put him in the whale. And that part was part of his uh, kind of like you know how, you know how criminals will try to like work out like a plea bargain. Yeah, I think that was part of his because at first he tries to plead insanity. Okay. And then he after that kind of falls through. He, he tries to, to work say out an agreement. That, that guy was helping him. Yeah, you know, and I don't know if that's exactly how he did it, but that might have been part of like oh well, you know, I didn't do it, you know, he did it, you know, because yeah. he did try to work out an agreement. But um, which that also makes me wonder if just saying it out loud, like, what if Faye thought maybe she knew about the murders, maybe she didn't think he was the like main guy in it, maybe they were just like, well, we're gonna keep this in house. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I don't bottom know. Bottom line, either way you go, she knew about it because first of all, she's writing the list. Yeah. And marking the X beside the the bad the the ones that are dead. Yeah. And what hits me is like you made a quilt out of their clothes. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, like. I don't really care, you know. You yeah. are on. I you're on board with it. If you're because if you were if you were not on board with it at all, you might have wrote the list yeah. because you had to. You're not gonna make, make a, a quilt out, make of, a their quilt out of their, their clothes. dead men's clothes. Yeah, so, I that kind of did it for me when I read that yeah. too. And that's why the that's why the prosecutors they pressed her so hard on the quilt. Now I would at first I'm like okay, well they got her because of the list, but you know when you think about it. He could have just been like, you know, hey, you have to make this list or I'm going to hurt you. Okay, that that's plausible. She might have got off. She yeah. might have got away with it if that's all they had found. But the, the quilt just does it for me too. So. And they could have even, I mean, you know, you could also say that he was like, well, okay, well, Jimmy Jimmy Joe, because I don't have their names in front of me. But if they were just like, well, Jimmy Joe Bob, he left. And then, you know, like, Freddie's still here. But, okay, well, you know, I mean, Danny left too. So it was like, we don't have to pay them anymore so yeah. you put an x next to them mm -hmm. doesn't necessarily mean that okay these are the dead bodies yeah but it just so happens that these dead guys you find all their names all have x's on, x on yeah. there so that's kind of where you just that's where you, that's i mean that's and being being illiterate ray would probably know how to make an x so you know you <laughs> could you could you could write the list off on okay well she made a list of everybody that worked for her. yeah ray took the list to put an x by all the ones that he killed so I mean, if but then he couldn't read to see what the name exactly. So yeah. I guess that is true. 
So, I mean, like, I have no doubt in my mind that she was on board with it. I mean, call me, you know, a jerk or whatever. But, I mean, I, I truly believe that she knew everything that was going on and she was okay with it. I, I do, too. And, I mean, because I, I feel bad for women who are, like, trapped in a, like, yeah. abusive relationship. Yeah. And it, But at the same time, I do think – and also, I, I mean, I don't know about at the time of – because it was from – I have this wrote down – that between 1986 and 89 – was when those five men were used and killed for this scheme. Yeah. And the total cost of cattle purchased between in that time was $32,000 of that time's money. Yeah. I mean, just interesting fun fact for that. But you look at it, that's three years right there. And I had read somewhere that it said that she would sometimes take odd jobs working in town. Like sometimes she would be like a motel maid. Or, you know, so you can't even say that she's, like, stuck on this isolated farm and doesn't have a way to get away from this man. Like, if you're going to town and still working sometimes, like, and you know there's bodies somewhere, you could be like, okay, I'm away from him. I can go tell the cops. The Mm -hmm. cops are going to go see the bodies, and then he's going to go to jail, so I'm not going to get killed. And halfway, I mean, you could could go about it, well, she's worried about her kids and stuff like that. But, you know, she she had opportunities to nonchalantly – speak of it and get out of it. Yeah. You know, if she wasn't on board with it. So, I mean, that's just where I'm just like, yeah, she, she knew fully what she was doing. Yeah. And, and, you know, because sometimes if you are an abusive kind of thing and you're just scared, maybe you're not thinking, but I just, I just in my gut, I just, like you said, I think the quilt kind of does it. I think she, and, uh, I think she knew what was going on. We'll dig in. And this is, I'm going to get around to kind of just how crappy of a guy that Ray was <laughs> here in just a second. But I want to start first off with both of their trials. Um, they were apprehended October 17th of 89. He pled for insanity. Didn't get that. Tries to work out this, you know, kind of like a plea bargain or whatever you would want to call it. But he's inevitably charged with five counts of first degree murder. And Faye, I don't have the exact date on hers, but. She was sentenced to death by lethal injection. Um, and on August 6th of 1999, her sentence was dropped to life in prison without the possibility of parole. Yeah. Um, now, if you jump back a little bit to when Ray because fi- Ray is notified that <laughs> Faye is going to be sentenced to death by lethal injection. And he shows no emotion. And his quote is, well, those things happen to some. Yeah, I read that too, and I was just like, "You piece of shit." (laughs) Yeah, because like I mean, you know, you could halfway, you could halfway say, "Well, he was out here doing this for his family," but whenever this whole thing breaks down and all this is coming to a head, and he's finding out, "Man, my wife is gonna die because of this." Like, if you're doing this for your family, I think that you would show kind of some remorse about it. So that that's kind of with that quote, you know, that's where I'm just kind of like, I I just think you're suggesting like. Yeah, he's, I think you're just mental. I, 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 I'll just, and I'll, I'll leave it with sadistic. But <laughs> yeah, it's like he. I mean, he was. I don't know if narcissistic is the right word either to describe him, but it's just like he. He was only concerned with getting money, yeah. but it wasn't really like a. I'm gonna do this for my family. It was just kind of like, well, I'm gonna survive, and I guess I make it enough that my family's gonna make it. Yeah. And then you know, it's almost like I get. Sometimes I get the vibe when you meet like older couples from that generation where it's like, well, they got married really soon, but then divorce wasn't really a, something you did. 
Yeah. And it's like, may, eventually it's just almost like they don't like each other, which okay. is like really sad. Yeah, <laughs> you know? it's pretty sad. But, um, I mean, I, I don't think he was a good guy in no. any way. I mean, that's really messed up yeah. for him to say that, but it's like, they probably weren't very chipper and happy with each other. Well, like, what, anyways. what draws me into the, like, the cause of, like, I know, I, I, I haven't, that, sh- Shadow it out in my mind. I I believe that she loved him because I mean she defended him. She yeah stuck. I mean she was with him till the end. I mean you know she stuck by his side and all this stuff. So I mean maybe on his end. I mean I I think that she she might have loved him more than he loved her. Yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah. But um now earlier when I said that her sentence was dropped to um, life in prison without the chance of parole. Um, Ray had already died of natural causes. Yeah, he wasn't in prison very long before uh, dying of natural causes. Um, and then, uh, do you have what? He he died October nineteenth of ninety three, at the yeah. age of seventy eight. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, we'll fast forward to her sentence being dropped to life in prison. Um, three almost three years later, or look, four days over three years actually, on uh, August tenth of two thousand two, she suffered a stroke. And it left her paralyzed and unable to speak. Um, and then in September, Governor Bob Holden, at the time, he authorized a medical parole for Faye. Uh, she had a, she wished that she wouldn't die in prison, so he, yeah, he granted her that. He granted her yeah. that. Uh, she was paroled to a nursing home in her hometown. She died at the age of 82 on December 23rd of 2003 at Morningside Center Nursing Home in, I don't know if I'll be able to pronounce this, it's like Chillicothe, Missouri. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I didn't have the town. I had yeah. the year and stuff when that happened, but yeah, it was basically just of natural causes. Yeah, um, just you know, and which is kind of it's like the messed up deal of like she didn't kill him. And, you know, we kind of went on there for a bit about how much maybe she knew or you know she had to know. Yeah. But it's just like Ray kind of got to be his whatever he thought he was in his head. If he thought he was some kind of wheeling dealing cowboy kind of thing, yeah. like cattle rustler guy. And then once he gets into prison, he's not there very long before he dies. Yeah. And then she, she winds up suffering for yeah. like an extra twelve years. Yeah. And I I read, you know, he you know he grew up didn't have anything. Even though they were poor, he was still like a spoiled, really, like kind of like a brat wanted to always get what he wanted. Yeah. So, I mean, that's that's something else. Where I'm just like, you know, I I really don't like you. I just <laughs> like not even. Not even just trying to be like funny or whatever. I just really don't like. Yeah, I, mean, I don't think I would have enjoyed eating with him at the diner. No, <laughs> I mean, he, yeah, he just—he uh, doesn't sound like a very nice guy in general. No, um, they—they they had reportedly they had five children, seventeen grandchildren, and at the last count they had twenty-five great-grandchildren. Yeah. So uh, I don't—I don't know when the last count was. That was just read on the report, but uh, yeah, I mean, they leave along. I mean, they left. You know. Well, people behind. So, yeah. I mean, I, I would hope that their children and grandchildren kind of like learned their lesson of like what not to do. Yeah. Well, that I read somewhere like they they had a nephew or someone wrote, that wrote a book. Yeah, he wrote a book um, about it. Which it's you know it's a weird thing too because like they talked about um, they mentioned them in like an episode of Criminal Minds. Yeah. And it's just like. Well, the Copelands did that. Yeah, and I'm like, what if you're one of those people like that were they left behind and you know, and then you like you're watching that and you're just like. Eh, you know, do the whole Tony thing like, eh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it's uh, yeah, it's kind of kind of uh, weird. Because I mean, you know, as much of a bad reputation as he had before the killings, that's enough to leave on your children. 
you know, yeah. because well, oh well, his dad, you know, stole cows and all this stuff. Then you add in the murders and all this stuff. Like that's just a bad rep to uphold. So like I would think that the kids don't live in Missouri right now. Yeah. I mean I don't know, but yeah. If it was me, I'd be trying to get away from it. But like I said, today's day and age, you can't really get away from a bad rep. I mean it'll kind of follow you. And the kids didn't. They don't deserve the bad rip. As from what I know, I, I haven't heard of them doing any. Oh, no. I imagine not. Um, one thing I wanted to make sure that I brought up um, was the names of the, the five men who died. I mean, they were drifters. We make our jokes, but I feel like. Due respect. Yeah, we're a yeah. true crime show. Yeah. And let's, you know, so we'll bring them up. Um, you know, the bodies that were found, uh, the first three that were found were. Jimmy Dale Harvey, uh, Paul Cowart, and John Freeman, which I think John Freeman was the one that was from Tulsa. You know, and I, I read that too, and that's funny because I went to school with a John Freeman when I was oh, a kid. Yeah. He, he was a junior. Oh, and really? His dad, obviously, was also John Freeman. Uh-huh. And I was like, huh. Like that, <laughs> like it was really weird. And then um, back whenever I was a little kid, I used to go to my parents like these auctions, uh-huh. and there was an old man. They just called him Freeman, but his name was John Freeman. Really? I, I have no relation to that. Huh. But uh, it was it was actually pretty funny. I mean, because you know you you want to try to like tie in. Well, maybe yeah. this guy was related to this guy. Maybe I knew him. And but, I mean, because we're in Oklahoma, we're just a little bit. Yeah. I work in Tulsa. Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't. It could be plausible. Yeah. And to have like some relation, but I thought I thought okay. that was actually not cool. But I mean, I thought <laughs> it, it was, was it was a it strange. Was yeah. yeah. And then they found the other body of Wayne Warner, and then the body that was found in the well was Dennis Murphy. Um, and you know, just I felt like we need to bring them up, yeah. you know, just because. But because um, I, I like to make my drifter jokes, but yeah, they were people. Now, as far as uh, Jack McCormick goes, now he was the source that kind of got this whole ball rolling. Yeah, he if, was. If it hadn't have been for him, I don't think they would have been caught. Yeah, and that's why, like, I mean, I don't. I don't think they try to tie him in with any like jail time. I think he. It, I don't really know if he did anything to deserve it. No, I just think he kind of went back to his lifestyle of drifting. Yeah, <laughs> drifting. I mean, I mean, look at it. Uh, this happened in Missouri. He got picked up in Oregon. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, he drifted to there. Yeah. And uh, I, just, I just like using the term drifter. Yeah. Drifting. But uh, no, it was. It's really interesting. It's really an interesting case. And when I first heard about the story, I thought it was the oldest convicted serial killers and that's what I tried to like go on this but uh I explained out they were they're just the oldest convicted couple, couple. Uh, and that was I mean it's actually really interesting to, to <laughs> think about I which, mean, which when you think about that it makes it sound like one of those things at like a carnival or state fair like come see New Mexico's smallest woman mm-hmm. <laughs> you know it's like there's always that little caveat but they say it fast enough and grand enough that you're like yeah, yeah. <laughs> I saw the world's smallest woman it's just yeah. like no, it was just really tiny Peggy from New Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And yeah, you know, it'd be it'd be pretty it'd be something to well, instead of serving out life in prison with uh the death penalty or whatever, you're just gonna be at the Ohio State Fair for the rest of your life. <laughs> yeah, you just shown all these kids. <laughs> just have to stay in a little world's oldest convicted serial killer. <laughs> yeah. It'd be like sitting there, she's like sewing a new quilt every day. <laughs> He's like writing a check <laughs> yeah, with just, his illiterate self. <laughs> yeah, there's like Jack McCormick in the back looking through the window. Yeah. <laughs> but no, it, it actually was, it, it frustrated me a little bit whenever I was going over research that there wasn't just like numerous 
because I mean, you know, we'll jump on a topic and you can look up like several different websites of information and you can get, I still got four or five pages of information, but yeah. it was just like the basic run through. And that's kind of like, cause I found those, the two websites and, uh, you know, one of them was Wikipedia, but, uh, yeah. the other one, you know, I, I read those and they're basically like the same thing. So I'd read one that was like in a newspaper kind of thing. Yeah, that, um, that would have been cool. Yeah. I should have dug a little bit harder. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was, I mean, it wasn't like an old-timey newspaper. Mm-hmm. It was just, it was like a, someone had wrote an article and well, it got put online, but it was like a news-type article. Yeah, and because they they re, did, they put out a news article in 2016, uh, early about 2016, it. about, a year, about yeah. a year ago. And it was probably the one I read. Or, yeah. But, um... Because a lot of the Wikipedia stuff came from the news article. Yeah, and that's one thing that's like, we we're a true crime show for the most part. I mean, you know, we we have our tangents, but like there's we have these big cases that we could talk to you about and we we're going to talk to you about them for like special like our 25th, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. But um you've you've heard a lot of them. So we yeah. we want to bring cuz honestly like until I found this one, I'd never heard about I've never Yeah, I'd never, never heard, heard about it. So I, like even though there's not just like a substantial amount of like information it's still cool to learn the basics about who these people were yeah you know even though they it boils down to them being like just bad people i mean it's still cool to have that knowledge like well do you know who the <laughs> oldest convicted serial killer couple is no you don't let me <laughs> let me tell you about it yeah. and it's what's weird is it's funny it's like you and me okay we teamed up made this show and we talk about it but i pretty much have to make our other friends listen to me in person talk about these things like they don't want to hear it like i told tony about this the other night before you got there when we were hanging out at tony's place yeah and um he seemed interested i mean we've already decided he's not going to come on the show was it just y'all two um michael was there but he was like not really he was like sitting on the couch i think watching that ball game but uh, we were just sitting in the living room and i was telling him about it and he was just kind of like really like you just like sat there and was kind of Really listening to me because that's how Tony does. If it's just you, if it's just you two talking, he's not going to give you too much crap. Yeah. And there's sometimes where he'll play along and get your hopes up. <laughs> then he just stomps on your dreams. <laughs> but I mean, he seemed <laughs> interested. <laughs> but you, but you have to uh, just really. It takes special friends to. You no, know, and I think the biggest part of it. I was talking to a buddy the other day at work, and uh, we were talking about the new hip movie that's uh-huh. going to come out this year. And I asked him, I was like, man, did you see the new trailer for the for the new It movie that's going to come out? And he, you know, and he said, you know, I've never really been interested in like horror movies and stuff like that. And you know, you'll you'll find the ones that are if they're interested in like horror movies and because I grew up watching horror movies. That's yeah. basically like it's either horror movies or comedy. It's like the gateway drug to true crime. Yeah. is watching a horror movie. Because <laughs> he sat back and told me all kinds of stuff about like X Men and what have you. Yeah. And I never, because I, I never watched those growing up. I watched stuff that not trying to like downplay the Marvel. You will like not that. downplay Marvel on this podcast. <laughs> but like I, I tried to go after I, I watched stuff that was like real, I guess you'd call it. <laughs> I don't I mean Logan was a masterpiece. <laughs> <laughs> but no. No, I think the, I think that, you know, for our friends, because I mean all right, Matt, he like he likes horror movies. Yeah. He, he likes also podcasts. Really, yeah. He but does he listen kinda, to our podcast. But he like he kind of plays in with both. Shout out to Matt because yeah. we know you're going to hear this. He he does both of like the because he's into like the Avengers and he also he'll he'll sit back and watch a good horror movie with us or whatever. Yeah. You know, Michael, 
he likes the podcast because he's into watching horror movies and stuff like that. So I mean, it's kind of like a foundation setup. Yeah. So Tony, I mean, I think he, I think he'll sit back and watch a horror movie, but I don't think he'd be like. I'm going to go watch that by myself, or I'm going to rent that and watch it by myself. I'll watch any kind of horror movie by myself. I don't care. I yeah. mean, I, I'm, I just love the, the genre of it. But <laughs> Yeah, and it's, it is funny because it's, you know, I, I like a lot of different nerdy stuff. I mean, sometimes I it bums me out because I don't have any friends that read the comics. Yeah. And I, I like to read the comics. So even, like, Matt doesn't get into that. But, like, for me, if I just get excited about something – I try to learn a bunch about it. Yeah. And so, you know, if there's a new game out I like, I don't really try to figure out. That's the one thing, like, if there's multiple ones in the series, I'll go pick them up yeah. after I get done. But, um, but like, movies, comics, and then, you know, just anything that interests me, like, I'll just dive deep into it yeah. almost unhealthily. <laughs> like, I'm about the same way. Like, I, I don't – well, I think what helped me out a lot, and this is not knocking on my parents at all, but, like, if – you remember Movie Gallery? Yeah. Back, you know, Henrietta? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, if we ever went and rented movies, you know, there was, like, one comedy movie that my parents would pick up, and then, like, three or four, like, horror movies, or, uh-huh. you know, like, horror suspense movies. So, growing up as a little kid, you know, you don't get to, like, pick what movies you get, you know, yeah. you watch what your parents get. I mean, <laughs> you know, kind of, like, in that term, but, I mean, so we would sit back and, like, you know, 25% or 75% of the movies were horror movies. <laughs> yeah. You know, so... It was just like that foundation was laid because that's what my parents, I guess, were into. I mean, just like not saying they're like they're sadistic or whatever, <laughs> but just like they're into murder. <laughs> <laughs> like they they like they lean more towards the the comedy and the horror movies. So I guess that's what I played into. And yeah. That's what I grew up watching. I guess. I mean, I did the same thing with my uncle. Yeah. Uh, I tell you a funny story. The first movie that I ever remember watching, my grandma, because we used to do. We used to have like a you know big family functions whenever I was a little kid, uh-huh. and uh, the first movie I remember watching was a uh, Halloween. <laughs> really? And I made it. I was like four. Uh-huh. You know, they rented it. You know, wanted to watch it, and it was uh, friends of the family. You know, it was late at night. We were just all kicking back watching movies, and it, it's weird because I can't remember much about my like early early childhood. Yeah. But this like the movie scared the crap out of me. Yeah. Like the first probably, I guess it's like ten minutes. I was like. Balling in tears or whatever. Yeah. And then we put on, uh, like, Pearl Harbor or something like that. You know, Papa Oh, so time. let's just watch all these other people get killed by bombs. Yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> but, uh, so it was funny. It was, like, ever since I was a kid, it was like, oh, well, you know, we like to watch horror movies. Maybe you will. Too. I mean, you yeah. know. And yeah. I eventually, like, grew in. I mean, it scared the crap out of me at first. But, I mean, I guess that's why I always, you know, get really excited for, like, the horror movies that come out. My wife, she hates them. Yeah. And, I, you know, if we want to go out and catch a movie. She's always wanting to watch, like, you know, not where, you know, like the Little Mermaid type <laughs> movies, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, she's yeah. still, she, she doesn't like the horror movies, but I'm always like, oh, let's go watch Insidious. No, let's go watch, you know, Get yeah. Out, you know, whatever. But, uh, yeah, like, I mean, my ex wife would just refuse to watch them. Like, she couldn't handle it. Well, do you and, remember, uh, what movie was that? I had been dying to see it. Oh, it was, and uh, the Conjuring. The Conjuring, yeah. Like, I'd waited for a year and a half to watch that movie, ever since I heard it was coming out. Because you showed it to me, like, yeah. the trailer, and you were like, we have to go watch yeah. this. Yeah, and we, we got this big group of people. It was, like, our friends and, like, everybody. Yeah, like, I mean, it's, like, even It was, friends like, extended that, friends. Yeah. Friends of our friends. I mean, we got, like, this big group. It's, like, four or five cars going up there to watch yeah, this movie. Yeah. And the whole time, Kelsey's like, I just really don't want to watch that. So, like, the 17 of y'all went and watched Conjuring, <laughs> and I watched, like, 
I don't even remember what y'all went to watch. Me either. It was some kind of girly movie. I felt so oh, bad. it was the movie with Halle Berry where she's like the... Oh, uh, The Call? Yeah, it was Yeah, because I'd watched that. I got a couple people to go watch that with me. But, I, was, I think uh, I, I was like, no, I'm not going to watch that movie again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, no, that's just that. I mean, she's not into it. She gets creeped out really Which easy. is weird that y'all went and watched The Call because it's also kind of... Well, yeah, but it's not like... I mean, I guess it's not ghosts. It's not even a fraction of what, like... Yeah. The Conjuring is, like, really scary, but... And it had Halle Berry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, yeah, no, I felt really bad because we'd been so excited, like, both of us, like, yeah, but you were the one who found it and was just so pumped. And yeah, because, like, I was I, like... I, it was like See a, you later, guys. Yeah, I was so mad. I, I've been waiting for a year and a half to watch this movie. <laughs> does she? Did she say sorry? No. No. no, no. <laughs> nope. I was about to be like, does she realize how mad it made you when that happened? I don't think she cared. <laughs> well, I'm just saying because now it's going to be on the airwaves. Well, I don't care. <laughs> no. because I, I, like, our, our tens of listeners are going to hear this. <laughs> I mean, I remember telling her like whenever we were buying our tickets or whatever, I was like, I've been waiting for like I was just like you know on that constant rant of like I've been waiting for a year and a half to watch this movie. <laughs> yeah. And just because of you, I have to <laughs> go watch some stupid call movie. And I, I don't even remember if that's actually what it was, but it was something along those. It wasn't anything you know close to being what Conjuring. And the Conjuring turned out to be like such a great movie. Yeah. It was still like a seven out of ten because I was just like, <laughs> I was like so fo- I was so mad. Yeah. But funny story about. About the same time that Paul Walker died. It was the same day that Paul Walker died, actually, because as soon as we got done watching the movie, um, we found out that he died. But, like, we got all of uh, our uh, – kind of like the friends that me and her were in the same class with. Uh-huh. We watched The Conjuring. I finally got her to watch it with, like, all of us. And uh, she was like, oh, that movie wasn't that bad. I'm just like, <laughs> ooh, I was so mad. <laughs> ruined, ruined her day even more. And then I heard Paul Walker died, and I was like, I want to go home. <laughs> I don't want to be here anymore. I just want to go to sleep. <laughs> But, uh, well, Crabtree? I think this was fun. It was. I think it was a good one we kind of ranted on. Um, It's actually your turn to pick out of the hat this week. Yeah, because of last <laughs> week's snafu. Let me um, put that back in there again. <laughs> I, I wanted to bring up um, a quick update. On Foos? On Foos. We'll call this one We Pity the Foos 1.5. <laughs> um, just uh, I, after, because, I mean, obviously this is episode 10, but I just released episode 3 today when I got to work. So, you know, the Foos one is honestly our most listened to one at this point. Really? Yeah, with like 16 listens or something in a week time. That disappoints me. I mean, the Jameson is like down by like two. Okay. I mean, it's like 14 listens or something. I, like, going back, I, I mean, if we did it again, we could do a lot better. I mean, because that was our first one, but, you know. Yeah, well. I digress. <laughs> <laughs> anyways. Um, but... I I just kind of was doing just some more for my own interest to see if anything new had popped up. And there was a, an article where Gay Talese is basically saying he's not going to promote this book anymore because he, if you remember, if you want to go back and listen to the episode again, um, you can. Uh, any view is a good view. Yeah. Um, any publicity is good publicity. But uh, they, he noticed that in his journals, he went from a first-person account to a third-person account. And I think we discovered why. That's because but he, he wound up actually selling the hotel in 1980. And I think he bought it back in 88, from what I read. But that's And that's around the time. Because like all the stuff we talked about um, had happened while he technically owned the motel. Yeah. Um, but a lot of that later stuff 
that he got from him was just like his own mental ramblings. And so it was just kind of like maybe he was writing what he wanted. Yeah. Just, Instead of like actually like the details of what he actually saw, he was like, well, I'm just going to keep this up. <laughs> yeah. So it's I just, hobby. <laughs> I just thought it was interesting. And Gates Elise, like there was this like great quote of how he was like, uh, Gerald Foose is a compulsive liar and is not to be trusted. And I'm just like, oh. Well, all right. <laughs> like wh- what part of I watch people. From their hotel room makes you think that's a trustworthy guy right there. <laughs> yeah, let that's, me do that. that's what I let me deal with this guy. And like, there was this really weird like he had an account of uh, like another local guy who was saying that he was coming up with food sometimes to the apartment. So I read about this article. So it sounded like they had just like two competing pervs <laughs> in one like area at the. It was it was weird. Um, but you I don't can like that guy either. You can find that <laughs> online if you want. But uh, I guess with that being said, we'll come back in a second with the hat trick. If right. you ain't got nothing else, nope, nothing else on the add. agenda. All right, we'll be back in just a second. No. All right, we're back with the with the picking. <laughs> time for the the hat trick. We 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 drifted we drifted across the uh, the kitchen. That's a lie. I just want to be able to say drifting again. Um, <laughs> it's my turn, Crabtree, because you bamboozled me last you time. You me out of that. <laughs> yeah, you're the con man. <laughs> acting, <laughs> acting like a real Copeland over here. <laughs> but uh, I guess I'll pick out and uh, we'll see what I come up with. So now we have to admit to everyone that we only have two choices in the hat right now. Another one. Another one. <laughs> and the, and the we, other only <laughs> we only have two choices right now. We're, we're gonna refill the hat this week, but we're, we need to refill. <laughs> we, we were getting. Oh, it's like an old song we used to like. That refill song. Remember, remember that song? No. What was it? Can I get a refill? You don't remember that? Like T Pain? Thinking of the wrong person. No, like no. After this, I'm showing you that song because legally, I don't think I can show it to you on air. But, no. <laughs> but, anyways, we need it, a refill. Is it time for me to pick? <laughs> I don't look anytime. Oh, it's Cropsy, which apparently wasn't the one you wanted. <laughs> 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 why was this one a bad choice to you? Actually, I don't know why, because I have a DVD at the house where I can, like, get, get, I can <laughs> yes. get really good research off that one. Which, honestly, because I already, because we, because I, I got the DVD and watched it already, because I already have my notes for it and sent the DVD back with you. But I so, procrastinate. So. Well, <laughs> well, no, it's just, like, we're probably going to have a lot of similar notes, but I'm hoping maybe you'll notice things in it that I didn't notice. Yeah, like, there's there's a couple ways. Like, I can, I, like I can get research off the uh off the documentary and there's a bunch of articles to look at. I mean there's a lot there's a really there's a lot of information. Yeah, this is I mean this is a, a very well documented case and has yeah. a bunch of it's cool. I, I like it. There's um not to ruin anything for the next episode, but there's some really neat stuff in it that after watching the D V D I I didn't know just from the research. Sure. Which I, I like um I like the way we do it because I mean we talk a lot almost every day, whether it's about podcast or not, but yeah. Um, we don't talk too much about what we found until yeah. we get here, and yeah, we always cool. seem to find something out. Like we all have yeah. our own, both have our own little take on it. Yeah. So, uh, like, oh, I know about 
Yeah. I, I really like them. Because when, when it happens on air, it's pretty genuine. Because yeah. we, <laughs> we literally haven't talked about it. We don't discuss. Yeah. So, anyways. Um, All right, that was fun. That was like fun. I'll see you all next time. I've been oh, making... Yeah. I've been making outros before, but uh, I thought maybe we could just go ahead and throw it on the end here because that helps out. Be a lot better. Be a lot easier with the flow. Um, so, anyways, I just want to thank y'all again for listening. Um, check out our Facebook page. We're the Hat Trick Podcast Group on Facebook. Yeah. We're a closed group, so you can uh, you can find us. And you can request. request that we add you, and it'll come to me and Dustin, and one of us will accept you. Yeah. Uh, we just do a closed group so that, like, you can feel free to post stuff, and that you know that way, if because we we want interaction, yeah. but if you're talking about true crime, that way, if you're if someone's not in the group, they can't see that you're posted in it. Yeah. So uh, that's there, you know. And listen to us on SoundCloud, iTunes. Stitcher and Google Play. Google Play, and it it really you know if you feel compelled, leave us a like rate us or review us mm-hmm. if whatever medium you're using gives you that option. Um, it would really help us out, and uh, you know see, uh, you can send us an email at our email account, which is dbrain and dcrab at gmail dot com. I've spelled it out because it's kind of a long, but you can find that at the end of all the episodes. Yeah. So, um, with that being said, we'll be back next week talking about Cropsy. All right. See y'all. Bye.